The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Danny Carter, and today we will be continuing our division preview series with the NFC South. We will be joined by The Athletic's Greg Amon to talk the Bucks, Panthers.com's Darren Gant to discuss Carolina, and the Saints News Network's John Hendricks to break down New Orleans. At some point, Denny and I will probably mention the Falcons for like two seconds. <laughs> um, we're going to begin with Greg, Greg, who is already with us. Greg, how are you doing? And at this moment in time, can you tell us, uh, is Tom Brady retired, unretired? Is Rob Gronkowski retired, unretired? I have stepped away from my phone for a minute, so I can't say with absolute (laughs) authority. Uh, But last I checked, he's still going. Uh, it's been that kind of spring and summer, but uh, so yeah. Say, you cool. should know. You should write us never. Like you, you need one of those sci-fi things where like, your phone is implanted in your wrist or something. At this right. point, we're we're very close to that now. <laughs> we're working on it. Thanks, yeah, Tom. very 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 normal off season to be a Bucks beat reporter. Just uh, yeah, but that was quite. Uh, you know, February. You're like, all right. You know, things are fine. I mean, the big man retired. Things are like a, finally a little calm. I guess it was March when he came back. And what was that moment like? Just, I mean, I guess you probably had an inkling already, maybe. It seemed like yeah, kind I of definitely percolating. didn't have an inkling going on be 40 days. But it had just kind of gotten that point where you've you kind of come to, you know, hey, it was, it was a fun two years. Um, now, you know, you don't know what the team's going to be like. Instead of that, you know, the season will be, you know, you really don't know if it's a good season with Tom Brady until like mid-January. Yeah. Not very <laughs> Buccaneer-like. Um so it was, it was like possible. I said, I was kind of excited about like you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, you don't know how good or how bad they're going to be, and there's a novelty to that, um, which I had known well in previous years. Yes, uh, and then I, I was I was at a stoplight. I remember the stoplight I was at, and it's just you look down and like, you have I got Brady on notification. I got a lot of people on notification, but uh, you're like, all right, this this looks real. This is could someone have hacked Tom Brady's account to unwritten? No, this is probably him. Okay, and then you just from there it's back, and then. Uh, a coaching change since then, a tight end Hall of Fame retirement and uh, all that kind of stuff. You could have given me one guess where you were when like the news broke and I could have just guaranteed he's probably in his car, like at a stoplight or something, you know, mm-hmm. not thinking about it at all. Well, and of course, when he retired, I, I had the great luck. I flew to Vegas to write off the Pro Bowl. And it's like maybe the only three hour window where I'm not really <laughs> I, I think the Wi-Fi didn't work on the plane. And it's like literally he retired while I was on the plane. So I landed in Vegas, and it's like the first notification is like, well, it's only been 90 minutes since Tom Brady's retirement. But, and you're like, what? 
I mean, what is that moment like as a beat writer? Do you like literally just like race into the terminal to sit down and open your computer? I got lucky in that like the week before um, you'll kind of pre-write retirement stories the same way if, if there's someone prominent who's 95 years old in the city you live in, yeah. you kind of have an obituary <laughs> yeah, pre-written yeah. just in case something happens. And it was much the same way. I, I really had 90% of that story written and it was just adding in. Uh, I think they actually did it while I was in the air. Like just, it was just plug in. Here's what Brady said on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and it's like you you had a story written you didn't know you wrote. You come off the plane, you had to a byline. <laughs> you didn't right. Know. It's like, wow, okay. And no, I mean, like I said, the Athletic did a great job without any of my actual live real-time help at all. Uh, I think yeah. Tom Brady's retirement story has been uh, written since 2014. Yes. Oh, no. It's like there were writers that had that, like, I'm pretty sure this is the year. Yeah. Yeah, here you thought you were having an unproductive flight with no Wi-Fi, and you get off the plane to a byline. That's pretty yeah. That's pretty good. Well, no more Tom Brady talk. We'll assume he's going to play. We'll uh, we'll get to Gronk a little bit later, but Greg, we will begin with Chris Godwin, who is one of the most important players in fantasy football when he's healthy. I mean, he's like a wide receiver one, especially with Tom Brady. He's almost guaranteed to finish in the top 12 when he is healthy, but we know he's recovering from a torn ACL. And just what is your feel? I mean, we know you might just be kind of making an educated guess what is your feel on like his week one status is the pup list, which is now four games instead of six games, a possibility. Where do you think we're at with Chris Godwin's health right now? Yeah. It's one of those things where, where like the team goes out of their way. They're very consistently said how pleased they are with his progress, how well he's doing, uh, how on schedule he is, but they won't say what the schedule is. Um, so it's one of those where, um, you know, he had a fairly significant surgery uh, above and beyond just a, just a regular ACL, which could be, at least a nine month deal for most people. Um, so I, I go in, what I would say first and foremost is that having him healthy and looking like Chris Godwin in November and December is much more important than having him that way in September. So um, the way they signed Russell Gage, gave Russell Gage $10 million a year, felt like something you did to have a number two receiver in place, even when Godwin wasn't there to be your number two receiver. Um, so from a fantasy standpoint, it's interesting in that I, I think by the time it really matters for fantasy, Godwin should be Godwin. And when you're in the playoffs, he should be a guy who, you know, probably is the Bucks' best fantasy receiver, just a ton of volume, ton of catches, uh, maybe not as many touchdowns as Mike Evans, but pretty close. Uh, but in terms of whether he's there, like their first four games are insanely tough. It's, it's at Cowboys, at Saints, Chiefs, and Packers, uh, pretty like four of their top six games of the year are in the first four weeks of the season. So they could use him, but I don't think they'll rush him. So again, I, I my instinct right now is that it wouldn't be a pupless situation, but I really don't know. And I like I said, I don't think there's any reason to push him to get out there to even practice before he's ready. Uh, because, the, I mean, they just gave the guy a three-year deal. Their, their goal is to have him healthy at the end of the season, not the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say that was an interesting point, too, that you made where we know with the Bucks and Tom, aka and slash Tom Brady, it's November, December, January. That's most important. And also, yeah, like a weird factor where like Chris Godwin is paid now. So, whereas maybe before in a contract year, you know, it's kind of a weird when you're a contract year player. Do you want to rush back and make sure you get on the field, start getting your numbers in there? Or do you want to make sure that you're healthy so you can hit the ground running and not suffer a setback and then get paid? But yeah, I get the feeling. With that, uh, with the contract, there's no reason for either side to really force this right now until he's like truly healthy. Right, and, and, and for- Russell Gage, by the same token, like Russell Gage, I feel really good about him as a fantasy play for the first month of the season. I don't know if he'll be looking like a rece- wide receiver two in December when you really need him to be. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure how that'll shake out. But they'll, they'll both 
be guys that get a lot of passes from Tom Brady. Gage has never had more than four touchdowns in a season. I think he'll do that easily, regardless of what Godwin does this year. We uh, speaking of Gage, we we've seen Tom Brady with the Bucks support three fantasy viable uh, receivers with Antonio Brown, Evans, and and Godwin. Uh, do, do you think that it's possible that Gage could kind of uh, get you know move his way into that pecking order to be a consistent? producer and and how i guess how much production w- would we be looking at w- while godwin is is sidelined because I'm, I'm guessing you know he will be sidelined for at least part of the season yeah what i think really helps all three of them is that gronk isn't chipping in on these touches either so the fact yeah. that he doesn't i mean that they're kind of weak at receiver at tight end i should say right now they drafted two guys but one of them i mean their their best rookie kate Otten, hasn't even practiced yet he's coming off ankle surgery cam Brate is a, is a great tight end um great red zone threat but probably not a, a tight end one in the same sense that Gronk is. So I, I do think uh, the Bucks probably have more three tight, more three receiver looks and less double tight end looks. Yeah. Um, and I think that helps. So like I said, if you think about, it, let's say we just default Tom Brady at, at forty touchdowns, you got to think that's like twelve to fourteen Evans, ten to twelve Godwin, and and I think you probably start at like eight for Gage. If I'm guessing, if he's healthy for a full season. Which again, he has nine in his NFL career, so it's a good year for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but yeah, the kind of receiver Brady had so much success with in right. New England. Like yeah, this has kind of like been like not the career norm for Brady in Tampa, where he has like actually elite receivers. He was <laughs> right. used to trying to get no disrespect to Russell Gage, obviously, but he was used to like turning players like Russell Gage into like fantasy superstars. And it's been interesting that he's had actual superstars. And so like Denny kind of hinted at this, alluded to this, but see, I mean. When Godwin's back and like kind of like Chris Godwin again, say Mike Evans is healthy, Russell Gage is healthy. I mean, do you think all three of these guys can be like top 24 receivers in fantasy or will it not be quite the same dynamic right. as it was with Godwin, Evans and AB? Right. And what's a little bit tricky. I mean, again, I, I, it would not it would not be that hard for Gage to have final numbers close to what Antonio Brown had last year. Just weighing in that AB kind of got hurt at the end of the year and then left. But I think that's one way to put it. He did leave. Yeah. The (laughs) what's tricky is that like, I don't know, is Leonard Fournette going to get 75 catches again? Cause that, that cribs in on the total as well. Does Rashad white become a guy who is playing more and, you know, sneaking in catches out of the backfield and stuff like that. So the, the ancillary targets right now, um, whether guys like Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller or Jalen Darden or any of the other kind of receiver four through nine, are they relevant? Are they vulturing in four touchdowns or are they barely on the field because they have three really good receivers? So Denny wants to ask you, by the way, about Fournette in the backfield in just a second, but we did want to get to the tight ends where, you know, Cameron Brate is someone that this, this front office has like loved forever. You know, he got right. kind of like a, I mean, infamous is a strong word, but he got like a eyebrow raising contract back in the day, but right. I think the, the contract has been restructured, I believe, but. Yeah, Still, it's funny. It, it, he got like six six years into forty million. Yeah, back then, and it was one of those where again, if like only the first two years are guaranteed, it, it's kind Still, of monopoly yeah. money on the back end. But he's going to end up getting like twenty eight million. Um, and to him, I think it's kind of smart for him and that he like this is three years in a row he's taken less money than he was supposed to get just to stay here and get to play with Brady. And again, I mean, you, you go back to that boat parade Lombardi toss. That's Cam Brate. <laughs> that caught it from Brady. Uh, so good on him. You know, I think yeah. he's happy here. He, he might have been able to get a little bit more to be, 
you know, a bad team's number one tight end somewhere, but what's the fun in that? I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that about the boat, the boat toss. That that's, that's big. I'm I'm adjusting my ranks as it's really speak. big intel. And yeah, Greg, I mean, I know you cover the but I don't know if you know where Cameron Bray went to college though. You know, maybe he's maybe I a had never heard about that. Him and game. Fitzpatrick, I always forget where they went. Uh some were good. But, but see, do you think we'll see a re like a targets recommitment to Cameron Braid? Or like you said, well, Kate Otten, who fantasy players have been wondering about, uh, will he be involved as rookie? I mean, we know it's tough with rookie pass catchers and Tom Brady, especially at a position like tight end with an infamously difficult learning curve. But yeah, do you think is Cam Bray can be someone we fantasy managers can like at least stream, like right. or like a five catch game, like won't be like shocking from Cameron Bray? Right. No, right now, as it stands, I mean, Braid should be. Uh, 45 catch, six touchdown guy. Kind of, I mean, he's had three t- three seasons with six or more touchdowns in his history. He goes back like before even OJ Howard, you know, pre Gronk, pre OJ, and that's kind of where he'd be right now. I-, I really think the Bucks will recognize the void they have without Gronk, and I think right now they're kind of still kind of keeping the door open for Gronk. But I think they'll sign a veteran tight end. I, I think it'll be a Kyle Rudolph type, somebody who's likely to kind of be dead even with Brait, where maybe you have two thirty catch tight ends. And again, Otten could be that guy. We just don't know. And because physically he hasn't done anything in, hasn't practiced, hasn't played in, in coming up on eight months. So it's, it's hard to know. They can't count on him to be uh, a tight end one if they haven't even seen him practice yet. That's the problem. We know too, that if you're a beat writer, you don't have like a magic wand to like answer these questions. But like we sometimes look at like beats, it's like sage oracles, but like with Gronk, (laughs) What is your feel? Like, will we see him in 2022 or no? What is your gut feel? First of all, it, it kind of depends on how the season goes. Um, I, I think if they have the success they want to have and they're not getting the production they want to have from tight end, Gronk's going to keep himself in shape. I think we've seen like half the videos he's posted in retirement, if you will, are him working out or him still looking like an NFL tight end. So long as that's the case, uh, again, if it's you know Thanksgiving and Brady wants an upgrade, I think he makes the call and I think Gronk listens hard, you know, uh, but I don't know if, if things are going swimmingly, if the Bucks plan B checks out and Eric Ebron or Jared Cook has four touchdowns or something, and maybe they don't need Gronkowski. Um, but I, I definitely think it's in play if, if they needed him, he's already done it once. Um, and I don't think he'd do it anywhere, but here in Brady. But again, I think it'd be a, a phone call he would take if, if Brady wanted to reach out to him. Sounds like a nightmare for fantasy purposes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, right. We, yeah, like, he's like a week 14 waiver wire gem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wanted to quickly ask you about the uh, Bucks backfield. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you saw how tapped in, tapped in you are to fantasy football Twitter, but <laughs> no, sure. there, was a, there was a lot of buzz about um, <laughs> Leonard Fournette looking uh, a little larger than we're used to seeing, uh, right. you know, when, when he showed up for many camps. <laughs> Uh, is uh, is is this something uh, that caught any attention within the organization? Is this normal for for Lenny? It, it was weird in that we had kind of made the observation. Uh, we, he was only I, I only saw him at two practices, and these are very leisurely minicamp practices. But he looked a little big by oh, yeah, Fournette right. June standards, and then he didn't help himself. And that he said he, we we're like, hey, so where are you at right now? And he's like two forty something. And you're like, wow, it's oh, you shouldn't have said that out loud. That wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and he was good about saying like he he kind of has done this in the past where he's had a first half of the summer that wasn't very good. If, if you follow him on social media, he, he looks a lot better right now. He's he's posting okay. workout videos. He's doing it's like Rocky Four stuff, you know, oh. getting ready for the season. So he looks better now than he did a month ago when they had their mandatory mini camp. Um, and again, by all accounts, 
Todd Bowles was like, uh, you know, there are guys that look like they're in shape right now and will need to drop right, wait a month from now. So he cares what they look like and what condition they're in when they get to camp. So I, I think he'll be able to kind of absolve himself or whatever, right? you know, fun summer he had for a month or so before <laughs> things got yeah. going. He, he's a guy who enjoys his food. And, and, well, and I look, that, if I was from New Orleans, yeah. if I, you know, <laughs> hey, I, I'd, I'd be doing the same thing much more than a month or two out of the year. He, he Danny, don't you wish we could just add and drop 12 to 13 pounds like with the drop of a hat? <laughs> I'd have to dedicate my whole life to it. <laughs> and if you mention that, like these linemen will be like, yeah, I'll, I'll if I weigh myself before the morning practice and after the afternoon practice, it'll be 10, 12 pounds no. difference. Oh, especially man. in that division. You guys are in the hot and humid division. Man, that's that's amazing. And, and then quickly, just as a side note, uh, Rashad White, someone who fantasy managers really really like uh as a prospect uh coming out you know good landing spot Rashad White has talked about how his goal is to be the starter um he doesn't seem okay with just taking a back seat to Fournette I know the team has a say in that but um right. is, is is he someone who who should be stashed on fantasy basketball? yeah like uh, there's really so little like fantasy flyer types on this Bucks roster so many of them are just big established well names Evans Godwin Fournette all these types Rashad White should be um, in that I, I feel like I think of him as the Bucks number two back. Um, they have Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a third year back. They have Gio Bernard, who's a veteran pass catcher type. Um, Denny's favorite I player. Think, <laughs> Denny's favorite player because he catches cheap receptions and fantasy. I, I talked about like PPR. He's the PPR vulture, absolutely. But but he barely. I mean Bernard. If anybody had him in fantasy football last year, if it's possible to be disappointed by Gio Bernard, he he was not a relevant player. It's a tough road to hoe. Yeah. Uh, so I think of Rashad White as as soon as he has the confidence of his coaches that he can handle the pass pro, which I think he's good at, and protect Brady, I think he immediately cuts into Vaughn's role as the next guy in whenever Fournette needs a third or fourth series off. And I also think he he probably steps ahead of Bernard as a pass catching sub. I mean, Fournette can be a three down guy. Fournette's going to get 100 targets before the year's over. But I think they're more likely to go to the young guy with upside in white than they are to to put too much. I mean, they trust Bernard, and that's what you have to play catch up with is is the trust you have in a thirty year old who has five hundred catches. Um, but I think I think Rashad White. You think about him being a third round pick, somebody they've talked about glowingly. Um, mm-hmm. He'll have a chance to be a, a solid second back, and if anything happens to Fournette, he would be a really in a good spot. That's good. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great thing. point on White, too. We know that it can be tough for rookies and Tom Brady, but right. he's a Geo's aging. I mean, Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn. It well, is I mean, now. Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn was a similarly drafted running yes, back exactly. two years ago and barely played at all. I mean, I think he had one touchdown catch against the Chargers, maybe, and maybe had 100, year, 100 yards from of total offense his rookie year. So he yeah. would be the model for if you're not, you know, if you can't quite convince the coaches you're you're the guy they can trust in key situations maybe you're an active maybe you're a special teams guy i think white's in a better position than Keyshawn was two years earlier well we're just you just guaranteed we'll be drafting him all summer yeah. um, so and we'll denny will be sending you a sternly uh, worded letter if that does not work out so absolutely no, Greg. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much for joining us and breaking it all down. We, yeah, we got and we got good stuff on the receivers the backfield even the tight ends so i would say that was a very very successful show so, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome. I want to wrap up, guys. Thanks again. We'll do it again during the season. Good luck. All right. Thank, thank you. you. It is now our pleasure to welcome in Panthers.com's Darren Gant. 
Darren, of course, you may you may not even really remember. We didn't really cross paths much, but you were a former coworker too at Pro Football Talk NBC. Um, we're all remote employees, so it's not like we like run into each other in the cafeteria. Everyone in the everyone in the business is a former NBC employee <laughs> at some point, so it's okay. It's yeah, it was uh, those were great years. We had a lot of fun. Enjoyed working with Mike and those guys. So it uh, it, it was definitely a good time. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the life of being a remote employee though. It's where you can work with someone for, I mean, we were both NBC employees for probably at least half a decade overlap. And sure. I met you one time, you probably remember we had like that summit a few years ago. Yep. I, I, we shook hands at the summit. No, no doubt. I remember that. It, it was the one time in about five years, everybody was in the same place at the same time. If you know, anything terrible would have happened. That's why they make the president and the vice president fly on separate planes. You know, you can't put everybody together like that. Too yeah, Denny wasn't Denny wasn't allowed on the premises, so he wasn't even there for that. Well, um, it was, it was a, a tragedy. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Darren, we'll just get right into it. The the single most important player in fantasy football is Christian McCaffrey. He's been limited to just ten games over the past seasons. We you know due right. to a variety of injuries. Is there any sense? that his role might be scaled back this year or that hasn't happened in the past as a response to his injuries or is it just all systems go as normal? The the limit is Christian and how often he's available. I mean, that's really the only limit for him. I think, you know, there have been people in the past who, who've tried to manage him and they think, okay, well maybe if it's fewer reps, you know, if you've got, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy and playing every game, he's one of the 10 most productive players in the league. So, of course, you want your best players to have the ball as much as they possibly can. I mean, that's just common sense. So, when he is well, he is one of those guys. That's obviously been a challenge the last couple of years, and, and we'll see how this year goes. I, I think a lot of times when things start to snowball on guys the way they have with Christian the last couple of years, we start looking too deeply for reasons. Oh, is it because of usage? Is it because of his off-season training regimen? Sometimes it's just dumb luck. When somebody falls across the back of your ankle, there's no amount of off-season conditioning or not conditioning or yoga or sleep tracing or anything else that's <laughs> going to change that. I mean, when you land on your shoulder in Kansas City the wrong way and break up, you know, those things just happen. And unfortunately for Christian, they've kept just happening to him for the last little bit. If he's well, he's going to get it a lot. Now they go out and they sign Deontay Foreman this offseason. I think it's a good ad because he's a different kind of back. You know, not that anybody is like for like Christian McCaffrey. But last year when they go to Chuba Hubbard, as a rookie, Chuba's more of a speed guy. You try to get him outside, see if he can pop something big. Um, Foreman's a different kind of back. He's a load. He's the guy who replaced Derrick Henry as a like-for-like and did Derrick Henry things for about a month and a half there. So um, a different aspect to the offense. But listen, everybody here knows it. Matt Rule knows it. Ben McAdoo knows it. If you've got the option to give it to Christian McCaffrey 25 times a game, that's a thing that's good for your football team. Do you think, uh, Darren, that, that Foreman, uh, you know, who is being drafted at the end of uh, fantasy drafts as kind of a, a running back insurance for, for McCaffrey, sure. do you think that he can or, or will be used kind of between the tackles for the tough running and McCaffrey will be saved more for the, for the in-space stuff? Yeah, I, I think in theory that's correct. Now, if it's third and one in the fourth quarter and you really need to convert something to try to win a game, 
Christian McCaffrey is going to get the, you know, sure. Uh, but I do think along the way, they'll try to create situations where there are things Deontay can do. I mean, they've talked about that throughout. They want to be more of a downhill running team when they can. Christian can do some of that uh, too. I mean, I, I think one of the things because he's smaller uh, people tend to think he can't run inside. He's capable of it, and he's quite good at it. He's just hasn't been available to do it as much lately. Um, but, yeah, I do think they want to find things Foreman can do along the way just to kind of create the opportunity for Christian to, I guess, stay fresh is the way to say it. But, again, I, I think all of this comes with the preface of it's Christian McCaffrey. You give him the ball because of the things he can do with it. Uh, quick follow up, Pat, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. If uh, if CMC, if the event you know were to occur where he he does miss some time this year, who would you expect to be the lead, the primary back in the Carolina backfield? I, I would think at that point it probably is Foreman, just based on having done it. I mean, Chuba had moments last year where he looked good, but you know you're talking about a guy who. Um, you know, showed some flashes as a fourth round pick versus somebody who performed at a pretty high level consistently for Tennessee right. over the second half of last year. So I, I think based on having done it a lot, my suspicion would be that would be a foreman situation and some chuba mixed in. You know, but again, that's the ultimate oh my God, nobody in Carolina hopes that happens. Yeah. No, situation. Sure. So yeah, I think you made a lot of interesting points there, Darren, where like Deontay was a very interesting signing, I thought, because <laughs> understandably the Panthers hadn't really invested a ton of resources in their reserve backs because why would you when you have Christian McCaffrey and I I thought it was probably good for them to take it a little more seriously not that they didn't take it seriously with the Chuba pick a couple years ago Mike Davis goes over a thousand yards combined from scrimmage and in a situation where Christian's not available uh, during the Teddy Bridgewater year. That's kind of what they needed from that position was somebody who could run inside but was still kind of a horizontal thread in the passing game uh, more so than a vertical one. And, and Mike had a good year for them a couple of years ago. And I too think you, I think probably you hit the nail on the head with in theory, maybe they would, they would like to take a little pressure off Christian McCaffrey, but he's like the classic, like best laid plans player. Like you said, if he's healthy, go just do it. Don't overthink it. It doesn't matter what the summer plans were. He's going to be getting the ball. Correct. And, and we'll see. And Christian's talked about trying to adjust the offseason and different things. But I mean, this guy is, uh, I can tell you from having watched him work up close for a few years, he he's not cheating the process if he talks about taking it a little easier this offseason. This guy puts a ton into it and it's killing him not to be out there, uh, as you might imagine. So then we'll switch gears now to the receiver core where it's been reported that Terrace Marshall appears more confident in the team's offense. He's drawn the praise of head coach Matt Rule. You know, it's kind of a lost rookie year. Maybe lost is a strong word, but how is his offseason going? How do you envision his role in the 2022 offense? Yeah, we'll see. And I think he's in an interesting spot because going into last season, you know, he was a known commodity to Joe Brady from their time at LSU. Uh, he was also coming off an injury, and I, I don't think he was 100% well going into the year. It, it slowed him down in terms of what he was able to do through the offseason. So I don't think he started at square one with everybody else. Uh, he, he was decent the first half of the season. 
got a concussion early and kind of tailed off, never heard from him again, really, the rest of the year. But last year was such a hard thing to draw conclusions from for the Carolina Panthers offense because, and again, we've been talking for, what, five, ten minutes, and we haven't gotten to the elephant in the room yet? It's quarterback. And because there was instability at quarterback, because Sam wasn't great uh, when he was on the field at certain stretches, at certain points he was perfectly serviceable. Um, but because the whole system was broken, so to speak, last year, it was hard to pick out any one little part and say, oh, well, that's good. Well, that's okay. We can do more of that. We, this is all right. We can live with this. It, it just – the whole thing was bad. So that's why this offseason, you go out. You didn't make a change at quarterback, at least not yet. And What time is it? It's July 5th. At- say, the, the next time you get on a plane, yeah. that's when it might happen. Yeah, when I go walk the dogs later, that's probably – that's why I always carry the phone with me. Um, it, it could happen at any point. I mean, this team has me- built a reputation for being active in the quarterback market. They're, they've earned that reputation. It's there for a reason. They've been – in on every deal, as Scott Fitter says, so they might be in on more deals. But if nothing changes, you know, there is at least an opportunity for the entire system to work a little better because I know this isn't necessarily the kind of fantasy advice anybody wants this time of year, but going out this offseason and signing an Austin Corbett on the first day of free agency, coming back in the first week with Bradley Bozeman, who, who could end up starting at center, using your first draft pick on the guy you had rated highest on your board in Ike Aquanu, that offensive line's better. No matter who is at quarterback, no matter all the other things with Ben McAdoo's design versus Joe Brady's, any of that kind of stuff, everything has an opportunity to be better because of that. And I think that, you know, is going to help Sam or whoever is at quarterback, or if Matt Corral ends up playing at some point this year, or Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, all those guys, everything's going to be a little bit better because that part is more stable. It was a mess last year, uh, and I think that might be charitably describing what happened with them. They started yeah. 14 different combinations of offensive linemen in 17 games. That's not That's neither normal nor good. No. So uh, <laughs> being able to invest those kind of resources this offseason was huge. And just trying, I, I, I think the way they're built, they don't, there are teams in the NFL that have to be efficient and excellent offensively to succeed. I think for them to succeed and whatever success looks like for them this year is going to largely be based on defense, is largely going to be based on not making gigantic mistakes on the other side of the ball. And I and I think kind of creating the structure around everybody helps that. I mean, nobody wants to – everybody wants to build a new park. Nobody wants to build a new road. But the road helps create the infrastructure for everything else in the community. It's infrastructure week this week. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I, I will say uh, you mentioned Robbie Anderson. So – Robbie Anderson had maybe maybe the quietest 109 target season that I've ever seen last year. I can't I can't believe he had 109 targets, but he did. Anderson was targeted on about 19 percent of his of his routes, which is well well behind DJ Moore. Yeah. Uh, is there is there any scenario where Anderson takes a, a, even a slightly more prominent role? Uh, on you know opposite more. I think they they want that to be the case, but that's kind of uh, along the same lines of the theory of Christian McCaffrey. 
you know, you'd like to have Robbie more involved. They've said that out loud this offseason. They'd like to create more opportunities for him because Robbie can do some things. Again, go back two years ago, uh, Robbie was a 90-catch guy instead of a 50-catch guy and looked like a completely different player. And while he's got this reputation as, as just a speed guy, just a downfield guy, Robbie took a lot of intermediate routes and turned them into bigger plays. For a little skinny guy, he's not afraid to go across the middle. He's got some toughness about him on the field and, and can make some plays. Those plays weren't necessarily there to be made last year. You alluded to the numbers of you know the percentage targets. He just mm-hmm. didn't see as much action last year. Um, and he had problems too. I mean, he dropped passes he last year, was not great. But because there's that other guy on the other side who's so consistently good year in, year out, and DJ Moore. And again, I I am not a huge fantasy numbers guy, but DJ Moore has produced at a high level over the last three years with some Frankly, not ideal quarterback play around him. So uh, he's been really good, and I think you want to keep the ball in DJ's hands. But getting Robbie a little more involved is obviously something they'd prefer to do. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen them, but there are brutal supercuts on on YouTube of uh, DJ Moore being missed by Panthers quarterbacks. Oh, you know, over his head, short. Well, he's wide open. He's beating the whole defense, and they can't get it to him. Yeah, I mean, he caught late-stage Cam Newton when yeah, passing yeah. offense was a struggle. You know, Bridgewater, it was okay. Uh, you know, last year was not ideal. So we'll see how this year develops. Well, as you can see, we're all real healthy, well-adjusted people. They make super cuts of missed <laughs> DJ Moore targets. And uh, fantasy is a very healthy uh, hobby. My brain is okay. Yeah, and you say, you know, you're not a fantasy. Like, too, you, you brought some important context there to – the Terrace Marshall struggles, the Robbie Anderson struggles where it can I mean we in in theory, like we realize all that, but like how like it, like you shouldn't be judging these guys, yeah, in a year where the offensive line is in chaos, when the yeah. quarterback situation is in chaos, mm-hmm. when the best player on the offense plays what three games. Right. And it's like it's important for us to you know, Terrace Marshall. And you fire a coordinator in the middle of the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Those those things start to stack up at a certain point. So, you know, I, I think to that, I mean, Terrace has had a good summer. He looks a little bit more comfortable being an NFL wide receiver than he did a year ago. He's he's healthier uh, now than he was at this point last year it is one big thing. And I think, you know, McAdoo, while – Ben's an easy target a lot of times, I think, because of the big suit in New York and the hair and all that kind of stuff. Ben's an easy target. A lot of different styles in New York. He's he's experimented with a lot of different looks. But uh, (laughs) if you isolate Ben McAdoo play caller, the resume is pretty good. And we'll see how that turns out here. But I think, again, kind of like the offensive line situation, it it was a chance to add some stability and some gravity to an offense that didn't necessarily have it a year ago. Yeah, that's a people nationally, you know, we kind of laughed at the Ben McAdoo hiring a little bit, but then it's kind of when you go back and look at his time with the Giants, like, wow, he actually made some lemonade yeah. out of some not that great a batch of lemons with those late Giants offenses, like the so end stage, early end stage Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. And or it's actually a pretty intriguing hire, I feel like, for the Panthers. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons, and they did a lot of that over the offseason. That was one of Rule's big emphasis 
uh, points this year is is he had to take a staff that was very young to begin with. I remember doing the math a couple months ago. I think his first staff in 2020 had a combined 71, 72 years of NFL experience across the board. This staff has 150 some years of NFL experience. A lot of that's been McAdoo instead of Joe Brady. A good bit of that's uh, James Campen coming in to coach the offensive line, which is huge. But adding guys like Chris Tabor, Paul Pasqualoni, Steve Wilkes, you know, adding a former defensive coordinator and head coach as a position coach to your defense, those are all pretty significant adds for a team that needed a little bit more of that NFL experience coming in. Now we got one more, and then we'll get you out of here. You know, in fantasy parlance, the Panthers are kind of a narrow target tree, like where we know where most of the targets are going. And DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, maybe Terrace Marshall. Is there anyone else you think might force their way into that mix this year for consistent looks? Like maybe a Rashad Higgins, maybe a Tommy Trimble, or is this going to remain like a pretty like tight self-contained group? I I think as long as it's DJ and Christian, and as long as those two are on the field, they're probably going to hog up most of the touches. And rightfully so. And then Robbie's probably the next one down. Trimble's an interesting guy to me, not even a starting tight end. I mean, Ian Thomas is kind of the classic build inline blocking tight end who can occasionally get downfield, but he's one of those guys who's sort of teased with potential and never delivered on it. Trimble's a guy who can you can put in a lot of different places and do different stuff with him. You know, he scored on a little bit of a jet sweep type of thing last year. Um He's becoming more comfortable as a receiver. He never got used all that much that way. He's a guy, if, if, if you're looking for those late round kind of what's this guy's impact going to be, Trimble's a guy who's at least intriguing uh, from that standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, the reality is if Christian's healthy, it's going to be mostly Christian. If he's not, it's going to be a whole lot of DJ Moore. <laughs> Which we, frankly, we were more than okay with. Uh, we we want Christian, we want DJ more. So, yeah. Darren, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome stuff again, with Greg. Yeah. We got great stuff on like every position group. We even got you to talk about Tommy Trimble yes. here at the end. That's a big win. So. There you go. <laughs> I do it for the people, yeah. and we hope that for your sake, if the Panthers are going to make a move at quarterback, please just do it while Darren's at home in his office. <laughs> Yes. Maybe like during normal business hours, that would be nice. Listen, normal is not a word we get to use around here when it comes to the quarterback. Yeah, you're going to be That's in it. a car like on a Friday night, like driving somewhere that has spotty cell phone. Yeah, it, it, there's a wedding this weekend. So oh, I, I would say at about 6.01 on Saturday <laughs> night. That's probably, you know, stay tuned to the news then. D- so David, David Tepper, I know you're listening. Call call Darren before you make the move, please. <laughs> please uh, he does. Do Don't worry about it. Don't okay. worry about it. Please. Darren, thank you so much for joining us. We'll we'll talk again sometime soon. You got it, fellas. And we will be right back after this with Saints reporter John Hendricks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home. 
and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, to go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball, on the PGA Tour, and on the NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. We now welcome in the Saints News Networks, powered by Sports Illustrated. So we have kind of like a mouthful of where we work to uh, John Hendricks, <laughs> reporter and writer. Um, you know, another guy, what is up with this, the NFC South? Where I feel like every guy we've talked to today, we talked to Greg Allman from The Athletic. We talked to Panthers.com, Darren Gantz, where it just hasn't really been a normal offseason. Um, you have the coach retirement. You have Michael Thomas, question marks, swirling. And I guess we'll just start right there with Michael Thomas. Uh, we've barely seen him play football since his historically good, what was it, 2019, I believe? Yeah. Is the team confident Michael Thomas is going to be ready for week one? Yeah, first let me just say that uh, you have better luck trying to find the last normal Saints offseason. I don't think there's been one in like <laughs> 10, 15 years. I don't know. No. It's just something, always something, right? From Breeze retiring, Peyton to Dallas, all these crazy things have popped up. But, you know, to answer your question, look, uh, I think Michael Thomas is is definitely on the up and up on everything. And not think I know that he's on the up and up, right? And so, uh, first of all, you know, a lot was blown over, uh, blown up because of the, the things about the surgery and, you know, the postponement, the timing and all that good stuff. But, you know, those fences were mended, right? And those that's the good news is that from a front office perspective, from organization perspective, you know, things are good with Michael Thomas right now, right? And so obviously the big thing is is his ankle as he's ready to go. And, and, you know, look, there's been encouraging things that we've seen. He's been rehabbing at the facility, you know, made a, a little bit of a guest appearance, if you will, at, at minicamp, which is good. But obviously the big thing that he was showing the other day on social media was that he's running routes. And so, that's a good sign. And that's all signs pointing to Thomas being ready, available, good to go and type of thing. And look, I know the saints, especially with guys that are coming back from injuries, you know, Taysom Hill's another one, uh, you know, Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport guys are going to be really big for this team. Um, you know, I, I don't, think that there's a way that they're not going to be cautious here with some of their approach. I don't think you have to put all gas with Michael Thomas there, but I do expect him as, as we get more into training camp, he should be there. He should be a little bit active. And I think the saints know that this approach with him, he's got to be more that 2019 player, but he doesn't necessarily have to be with all of these uh, help that they've got and reinforcements at wide receiver. John, a follow up question on, on Michael Thomas. Um, I, you know, we, we consume a lot of news, a lot of team related news. We read through whole stories. So you end up seeing, you know, quotes that I think the general uh, NFL consuming public doesn't see every time Dennis Allen is asked about Michael Thomas, it's, it's kind of this, eh, he should be ready. And um, he's, he is rehabbing, he's working on his own in California, whatever. 
are things cool between Michael Thomas and the organization right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say so. I mean, look, and, and it's different, right? Because DA is completely different than Sean Payton. And, and I, I think that's a good way because DA is going to adopt and kind of install some of his new types of things. And look, I think the thing I've learned about him just early on is, is I, I say this because Sean was the same way, but no nonsense type thing. He's a guy that you come in, do your work. Let's go home. Let's do it right the first time. I think he's been very authoritative. I think he's going to run this team how he needs to. I mean, I know a lot of people look at the sample size of what he did when he was with Oakland. And look, you, you didn't change in the last 10 years when you did things. I mean, I think that says a lot about, you know, you as a person. But look, with DA, I, I think that's kind of how he's been approaching with some of these players that obviously – you know, with Sean, it was a little bit different because Sean didn't want to talk about injuries. He didn't want to talk a lot about. I was going to say, Denny was kind of saying we. It's hard to get a sense of Michael Thomas's injury time. <laughs> That's just because the injuries lingered so long. But Sean Payton yeah. was like, I mean, that guy, even by NFL standards, you did not get injury information out of Sean. No, None. no, just straight up, no. But Dennis, he talked about, you know, he's talked about Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, these guys. And then, look, I think the certain belief is that he's a lot more involved there. And then even just talking to Mickey and uh, Mickey Loomis, that is, and just kind of hearing a little bit from that and everything we've heard from the grapevine. There's no reason to think that things are are sour there with Michael Thomas. I mean, again, everything has been nothing but positive. You know what I mean? He's been there. He's been doing the work. He's been putting in the rehab. He's Mm -hmm. been at the facility. So it's not like he's just been away. He's been there at the facility facility we've seen him we've seen him do the rehab so i think there's it's a lot more overblown than what it was a couple years ago i I could be reading too far into michael thomas's many cryptic tweets (laughs) everybody does he's he's like the prototype for the cryptic wide receiver michael thomas this is a true story it has me blocked on twitter i've I've never had an interaction me too yeah Yeah, never had any sort of interaction with him really Um, yeah yeah, he's talking about no nonsense You're, you're you're missing you're missing a lot yeah, I know. I mean, and he, he tweets about like literally like about like revenge and stuff. I feel uh, like yeah, like, like the yeah, classic, a lot of lyrics. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, the classic lyrics, receiver receivers are built different, basically. Yeah, it's the classic. But by, by the way, John, I realized we were so anxious to talk about Michael Thomas. I didn't even ask you like how you were doing or anything. <laughs> oh man, hey, no, no worries at all, man. I'm doing great. Um, you know, just kind of enjoying that low before we get to training camp, and uh, you know, I'm just looking at the month of August. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be a lot of places and a lot of time. Yeah. So. But uh, just kind of enjoying that with the family. Good 4th of July, pretty chilled, relaxed. So I've got a wife, two kids, and, you know, they keep me plenty busy when I'm not uh, doing football. So, you know, the, the lull, hopefully it's not a fake sense of complacency because I feel like anytime we think there's like a true lull, which is now like late June to right. late July, something crazy happens. So NFL – if you're listening, please uh, let us enjoy our little break. Yeah, I'm sorry if I jinxed the, the NFL yeah. world too. So <laughs> you can thank so, me. <laughs> switch it. We're gonna Denny's gonna ask you more about the receivers in a minute, but we wanted to ask you about Alvin Kamara, who you know by his standards was pretty inefficient on the ground last year, and you know that's partly because the the team was just kind of an offensive chaos, obviously. And what is your feel on his role after I me? Mean, believe he took way more carries than he had ever. Yeah, I mean I, he had never even had 200 carries before last year. And he's near 250, and that was with missing three or four games. What is the sense on Alvin Kamara's role this year? Will it maybe the touches be kind of maybe dialed back to more traditional, like 14 to 15 per game, or do you think it might stay more like that 18 to 20 range? 
No, I think it'll stay down a little bit more. And then if anything, he's going to be more involved in re- the receiving department, which is something that was big and, and missing last season. And look, I, it was a James Winston said, it, uh, you know, about a month ago, maybe that, you know, look, he was actually actively studying some of Drew Brees' film and stuff, studying the usage with the running backs, particularly Kamara. And that's an area where he says he feels he can get better at. Right. And so getting Kamara more involved in the passing game. And of course, projecting Kamara with all this legal stuff that's that's looming and stuff that's also going to be kind of tough right and so um you know Kamara's going in it and the Saints are kind of going in it and with the wait and see mentality and seeing how that plays out you know August 1st is right around the corner and it's not just him that's got a court hearing date it's Marcus May stemming from uh, February 2021 uh, DUI arrest which again you look at it's over a year later right and it's still not fixed and so with that, I mean, Kamara, look, I think he's going to be a lot more involved in the passing game, especially because, again, not to segue, but, you know, talking about these receivers, you got more talent there, so you have to account for more. I mean, this this is a team that was rolling with Kevin White and Kenny Still guys that should probably not have been on the field, right? And then you have Trevor Simeon as a quarterback, or then you have, you know, whether it's Taysom Hill or Ian Book. There's just I wonder if you could even bring yourself to say Ian Book. Uh, no offense <laughs> to Ian Book, but uh... well, look, I can tell you that you know I talked to Ronald Curry, you know, a while back, and look, he's he's talked about how the game has kind of slowed down for him and he's ad- adapted, but he was just having trouble calling plays last year, and so. As a rookie, that's that's hard to hear. And look, you know, I I I think he still has it in him. But when I did my initial roster projections, I could see them just carrying Dalton and Winston on the roster and try to slide him on the practice squad. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, yeah. we've went from Kamara to that. But I mean, you know, it's yeah. right. hard to say that Ian Book was put in a difficult spot against oh, Ryan Flores, who you know, one of the best defensive yeah, play cars. That is. Field. He was not set up to succeed in that start. I must say that. I will give uh, Ian Book credit for ending COVID in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. After that, that's tough to watch. All the protocols went out the window after that. Uh, The league, since Ian Book threatened the league uh, with that performance. So, uh, (laughs) getting back to Kamara, real quick. So, I remember early in the season when Kamara was getting these, you know, relatively enormous workloads as a as a rusher, not not as a pass catcher. I remember Saints beat writers saying. Uh, and you were among them, you know, saying, uh, "Hey, this is this is not good." You know, like like mm-hmm. like he sh- he he doesn't uh, want to be used this way. He the team doesn't really want to use him this way, but they don't have much of a choice at the moment, so they have to do this. Um, and and it showed, you know, if if you look at his uh, from a fantasy standpoint, from high value touches, uh, he has excelled in that area, getting high value touches, as in inside the ten yard line, and then receptions. Uh, those. Uh, dropped per touch, you know, his high value touches per, per touch dropped last year because he was getting a lot of those empty calorie touches between the twenties. Uh, do, do you think there is a scenario where they, they really cut that out of his game or do you think he'll continue to see that this season? No, I think they cut it out just because, I mean, you got to remember what happened last year. I mean, they cut Latavius Murray in camp at final roster cuts because Tony Jones Jr. was looking outstanding. And then yeah. he gets hurt against the Giants, kind of forces their hand because you have to trade for Mark Ingram, right? And so, um, and then you had Devontae Freeman in camp, but you had a lot of these undrafted guys or younger guys on the roster just really didn't do anything to take the pressure off of Kamara. I mean, when Ingram was here the first time, he was a great one to punch with Kamara, right? And so um, it helped alleviate some of that. But going into this season, look, I, I think you look at the offensive line and some of the deficiencies there. I mean, you could pick your poison, right, with the Saints team. And injuries are part of the game. COVID was part of the game. I mean, you go don't go through 50-something-plus starters and just not have things break down and be effective. But, 
again, they didn't have weapons around Camara, so it was easy to key in on number 41 when he's on the field, right? Just because you didn't have guys that were going to really stretch the field or do a lot of things, and especially when you didn't have the consistency of quarterback, right? And I mean, that was always a tough thing. And look, Winston was the guy that was coming in, and he was making the most of it in his early stages. I thought he was doing really well, but you know, with the utilization Camara, they just didn't have a good support system around him to to really make him do what he is capable of doing. Right. And so I think it's going to be better this season. Still a lot of question marks as far as when he's going to be on the field and uh, with that league discipline. But I think offensively, the offensive line is going to be much better this season. Um, Just a lot of better improvements that this team has made in this off season. So I will say though, behind, I'm sure they want to dial back Kamara's carries, uh, his workload a little bit. I, I believe before last year, he had never had 20 carries in a game. And then he had 20 carries in week one. He had 20 carries like five or six times. Yeah. And as we've all said, take taking turns saying during this interview, they almost certainly want to dial that back, but it's still not great behind him on the depth chart. And we're, you know, you kind of have Tony Jones coming off that loss 2021. Like you said, you have an aging Mark Ingram, is Mark Ingram really the number two back, you think? Is, is this situation finalized, settled, or is there a sense that maybe the Saints are kind of like on the prowl for some backfield help? Well, you know, I think they believe in Mark, and, and the fact is Mark believes in himself. I think he has a little bit left in the tank personally. And so, um, you know, and just talking with him. But, look, they had David Johnson at minicamp. They were really interested in signing him. Didn't work out couldn't agree on a contract. Maybe that's something that gets revisited or they trade for somebody, but look, I'm with you past those two. You really don't have much. Right. And again, Tony Jones jr. I talked about him earlier, but he was a guy that looked really well, really good in, in preseason and, and in training camp. He didn't really do much last season. You've got Dwayne Washington. He's more of a special teams guy. You've got Devin Azigbo who they had poached from the Jaguars practice squad, who was on the team a long time ago or, you know, I say a long time ago, but, you know, in NFL years, an NFL calendar, it's a yeah, lot. It's probably right? 2020 but, or something. Yeah, yeah, I call that a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was he's on the roster. And, look, these are more probably special teams guys. And they've got a guy, Abram Smith, who's – I was going to say, fantasy managers like are talking about Abram Smith. Yeah. Deep stash if you're in a dynasty roster. Like, I, that's what I would tell you for something like – but he's the one to keep an eye on. But, you know, I'm with you is – that if if they have an injury to Ingram and they have some legal issues with Kamara and he's out, their backfield is toast, right? I'll just say that. That's where their state of the depth on, on their running back position is right now. I wanted to ask you about uh, Jarvis Landry's yep. uh, pre- presence in this uh, receivers room. Uh, so I, I know obviously he brings a, be- a veteran uh, veteran presence, veteran leadership, and, and all that, but. He's also an incredibly productive slot receiver who commands targets everywhere he goes. Uh, will his presence, do you think, at all kind of ding Michael Thomas's share share of the targets in the New Orleans offense? Because as we know, Michael, a lot of Michael Thomas's looks come, you know, in the interme- intermediate part of the field. Uh, so, do you think Landry, uh, you know, messes with that at all? Yeah, I think Jarvis Landry's in for a really upward rebound type of career year for him. Right. And so look, he's looked fantastic. I'll tell you that much. And that's probably been one of the best bargains the saints has got this off season with the contract that they got. Right. And so he's looked the part, he's looked fantastic. You can see just how rejuvenated and it's not just him. It's Tyron Matthew too. both of these guys coming back home to Louisiana. You just see kind of the reinvigoration with both of these players. Right. And so I expect Landry to cut into it. Right. And it's not just him. I think Chris Lave is going to do it as well, but look, Thomas is going to, 
do what he can, right? And and I think that he's still going to have a good season, but he's got to also be on the field and be available. And Landry's a guy that I think when you look at from a nightmare matchup perspective, especially going in the slot, man, if you're having to look at Alave and Thomas and then Roland Landry there, I mean, it's 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 a pick your poison type situation, I think, with this offense, especially with it hinging around, you know, Jameis being the starter, right? No question guy this season. And so, look, I think Landry will have a, a strong season. I know he hasn't had – you know, a thousand yard seasons in a couple of years now, but I think he can flirt with it for sure. But I think he's really going to be a guy that moves the sticks and he's going to get some red zone targets. And I really just feel like this is a perfect match. And so, uh, you know, he's banking on himself, betting on himself to, to kind of get that next contract. Uh, you talked about Chris Olave, the rookie, uh, incredibly productive guy coming out of Ohio state. So where does he fit in this offense? We just talked about the intermediate short area targets for Michael Thomas, for Kamara. two of the best in the 21st century and Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. Right. Right. So, so are, are we looking at Alave as strictly a, a deep threat in this offense? Yeah, I don't think you'd say he's just a deep threat. I mean, I think that, you know, again, everything we've seen in Olave, he looks the part. I mean, every th- person that you see that talks about Olave, the first thing is how smooth he is and how great of a route runner he is. I think those are his two best qualities, right? He just makes it look natural. He makes it look easy. And look, I, I think when you look at it, those are the top three guys that are going to be on the field for the receiver department. And look, you still have Traquan Smith, you have Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, guys that played a lot for you last year that are going to be on the field. And so I think with Olave, you can get very creative. I think with him, you can have him stretch the field. I think it's more of a Deontay Hardy type thing if they bring him in as well. But Alave is a guy that, you know, look, he's going to be really interesting to see on the field and where he goes and what kind of his target share is too. I think he's a guy that really is going to find himself a lot more open and a lot more uh, relied upon in this offense going forward. Really intrigued i think by him um just because you know look he's he's coming here he talked to Jameis. just some of the things he said is he's already in the stages man where you need me to go what do you want to see what did you see on that type thing i mean he's been a sponge to Jameis winston and just kind of this offense and so i really feel like you know when you talk about rookies and candidates of the year and such alave is somebody that could potentially do that on offense or you know maybe in the nfl but i think he's in for a pretty strong season i think you're probably going to see him more of that mid to intermediate type production this season this is a question i should already know the answer to but because james is in rehabbing I, have, have him and olave gotten to throw at all yet like in view of the media or no like have you got to see that yeah. connection in action mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah definitely been able to see that plenty right and so uh jarvis has kind of told stolen the show but you know him and uh, olave uh, have worked a pretty good bit, right? And I mean, you see them when they're doing drills, and of course, it's mini camp, right? And yeah. so you see some of the formations and see those types of things. And, and Lave is going to be one of the guys that lines up on the outside. But look, that chemistry it looks like it's building. It's going well. I mean, there's been some deep shots that they've hooked up on. You know, Winston, I think, is is looking up exceptional so far. And you know, obviously, see the videos of him working out. I think he's primed for a huge comeback season. But look. They've been on the field together. They've been working together, um, you know, and Winston has been staying after practice. He's been the last guy to, to leave, the first guy here. So that's obviously a little bit encouraging, too, if you're looking at somebody to, to stash or maybe take it later in, in a fantasy draft that will probably be there. But, you know, him and Alave, I think you're going to build some strong chemistry. And it's going to be, who you know, I don't say too many mouths to feed, but, you know, it's certainly a, a better problem to have than where you were last year with the yeah. uh, bottom of the barrel depth chart. 
So you don't need to give fantasy managers extra reasons to want to draft Jameis Winston. They just always <laughs> want to do it. And you you kind of hinted at the final question I want to ask you is you kind of hinted at something interesting there where like a lot of guys who kind of like stepped up, like role players who stepped up for bigger roles than they probably should have had last year and like Deontay Hardy, Marcus Callaway, Traquan Smith, whereas now like all of a sudden this is such a thin receiver core last year, you know, like the top three are like set. And do you see any of those guys out of like the Hardy Callaway bunch, like maybe is emerging as like the clear number four receiver, or is that something that kind of needs to like sort itself out in training camp? I think it does, but I tell you what, Traquan Smith is a guy that's a lot better of a blocker right now. I mean, he's used in he's a primary blocker, right? So I think that's not what I wanted when I signed up for it in Dynasty. I was hoping he wouldn't yeah. be such a good blocker. But uh, yeah, but look, I tell you, he did come on late in the year. You know, I mean, he had what we saw out of him against the Atlanta Falcons in that regular season finale, that's the type of things that I think people were expecting out of him the whole time. Right. And so obviously he had a bad start to last year being hurt and his availability is, is obviously not there. And that allowed Callaway to come up a lot more and, and Hardy as well. But look, I think Smith is probably your guy that you look at right now. Um, and again, Hardy more of, you know, he does a lot of returning things, but he's also in a, a pr- crucial year. He wants a new contract, right? And so um, he's got to be able to prove it, that he's going to be more than just a deep threat. I think he can. But right now, when you look at Traquan Smith and the way I think Jameis likes a lot and, and Mickey likes him a lot, I think he's going to be the guy that you look at right now. But I expect competition in training camp. You know, a guy that might be on the outside looking in is Kirk Merritt. I think he's looked exceptional so far in camp. I think he's someone to watch. He's going to have a tough, tough task trying to unseat some of these guys. And look, I wouldn't even rule out that with the depth that they have, assuming that everybody stays healthy, maybe they don't try to trade one of these guys uh, ahead of the NFL trading deadline when it comes time or before the season starts for a team that really needs receiving receiver right now, like Norwich did last year. Yeah, you're right. If they stay healthy, they're six to seven deep at receiver, which is you know, not even remotely typical. Mm-hmm. And it's so much great stuff. I don't want to hear the Jarvis Landry steal on the show. We want to be excited about Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, John. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot to be excited. But, you know, look, I, I just think that with Landry coming in, that it's been a perfect match. And I think when you look at value um, and just what he's going to bring to the table, it's hard not to be excited about him making these one-handed catches or these tough contested catches, just make it look easy and kind of his fire and passion. And look, when Mike gets out on the field and when he gets back to it, then everything will be about Michael Thomas, right? I, I feel like that's where we're going to go for it. But for now, what we've seen, it's hard not to to love a lot what you've seen of Jarvis Landry. Yeah. And we know it's been like the off season of a, got that dog in him meme, uh, Jarvis Landry has got like uncontainable levels of dog in him. So I'm actually not surprised yeah. to hear it. <laughs> Several yeah. dogs reside in Jarvis Landry. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, there was a point in minicamp, there was a, a defensive back that was kind of holding him a good bit. And Jarvis didn't back down. He kind of took a little bit of exception, but that's kind of the fiery passion that you see behind him. And he just, you know, obviously it's football, but you know, it's like, you're not going to do that to me. And he still made the catch. Was it C.J. Gardner-Johnson? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it wasn't C.J. <laughs> no, it was, it was one of the other younger guys, and so they they learned the, the fun way. But, man, I tell you what, you brought him up, but I'm interested to see how they uh, they go against him once things go up. Him and Trevor Penning, I think, are the two that I want to see when these pads come on and we see training camp. I, I'm really excited to see both of these guys play against competition. That will be a lot of fun to see in camp. And, John, just awesome stuff. Thank you so much for joining us again. Good stuff on every position group. And 
Uh, just thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. John Hendricks is the lead writer and a Saints reporter for the Saints News Network at Sports Illustrated. And uh, yeah, hopefully stays calm. You get your lull, you get your little break before training camp. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can talk to you later this year. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. Now it's on to Denny and I to, uh, should we, I don't know, the Falcons are in this division. Yeah, the Falcons are still an NFL team. Uh, yeah. we, I checked before the show just to make sure. And yes, they are. They are. Uh, 0-7 with like a negative 150-point differential against playoff teams last year. That's a real stat, actually. Um, it is. It is. They they were the worst seven-win team in history. And they, they didn't even really get better. So this is we'll, – I'll begin the Falcons talk with this. A team that is this bad, they have needs on the offensive line, needs on the defensive line, needs in the secondary. I mean, there's needs in like every important position group. And yet, back-to-back years, they've taken a skill player with their the top eight pick. I mean, I mean, I, we're fantasy guys. I mean, we, we want skill players, but it doesn't seem like a way to yeah. rebuild a team. So to me, uh, not an expert in team building on the NFL level. Curious. Uh, it seems like the good teams take some pretty boring picks sometimes and don't always reach for the shiniest player in the draft. And that seems to be the way the Falcons are going about it. And I'm not sure if that's going to pay off in the long run. In fact, I think the Falcons are a team that's, that's down so bad at this point that they're going to have to really be committed to Arthur Smith for him to get out of this lull that they're going to be in and lull is a very kind word by the way yeah this was seriously the worst seven and ten team you'll ever see because any time last year that they had to play a real team they just got seriously annihilated the event the actual stat was against playoff teams last year oh and seven with a negative 159 point differential i actually don't even know how that's possible I mean, it it does, you know, uh, it does make sense. I, I do recall every time the Falcons played a contender, they got thumped, humiliated. Do you remember what happened? Do you remember the fun fact from what happened against the Falcons when the Falcons played the Patriots on Thursday night football? No. Well, oh, well, we, no, no. It was a shutout loss. And in the shutout loss, they had three different quarterbacks throw interceptions. Oh, Man, oh man, oh. In- including uh, Franks. Uh, yes, Felipe Franks. That's Felipe there you Franks, go. Who has since converted to tight end. <laughs> I thought you were going to say converted to something else. No, no, uh, <laughs> not uh, to not to uh, Catholicism, but yeah. to tight end. <laughs> yes, uh, but so we're talking about the skill players. We talk about a, again. It was a top four pick on Kyle Pitts. It was a top eight pick on Drake London. We know this receiver core is still like shockingly thin. We also know like Drake London. He's not a guy who's like – he's not entering the NFL famed for like creating separation. He's entering yeah. the NFL famed for being a big guy who wins with his body, who's a very savvy – like he's a very savvy body user, I was going to say. I don't know. He, he's very good in space. He knows right. how to use his size. But it can be tough to translate as – but there's just so little target competition. I mean, are we viewing Drake London as a wide receiver three right off the bat, despite maybe some questions about his game? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, just from a, a target distribution standpoint, I think that, yeah, uh, he he should be a wide receiver three, barring some sort of, you know, disaster uh, to, to start his rookie season, uh, because there's really just, you know, there's Kyle Pitts and then him and then nobody. There's Damir, Damir, I can't even say his name, Bird, Damir Bird. Damir um, Bird. Damir, that's right. 
Yeah, yeah, Demir Bird, who, yeah. Geronimo yeah. Allison, Frank Darby. I mean, this oh, is Frank Darby erasure wait, from you, Denny. Wait a um, second. That guy from the Raiders who all, fantasy football Twitter loves. Uh, come on, we were part of that probably. Brian Edwards? Brian Edwards. B-R-Y. A-N Edwards. Uh, no, no, no. I never got I never got the Brian Edwards thing. But people, I kind of did. Isn't he like a really good athlete? He's really he, big. He um, is. I'm but I'm 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 off uh big strong uh receivers. He, he, they, they all need to be 5'10, 180 pounds. This is it's the, true. And the actually new a good point. Receiver prototype. Uh yeah, I guess Brian Edwards probably pops up there at some point. But yeah, from a volume standpoint, that's fine. Also, you know, Drake London was used a lot at the line of scrimmage to catch balls around the line of scrimmage in college. Sure, he was used different than his size would indicate. At USC, so that, I think that 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 really um, affected his separation numbers because obviously you're not getting much separation if you're getting the ball one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it's true. And again, unlike Nikhil Harry, was another guy I always really noticed in his college. I'm like, this dude has people draped over him all. Yeah. The time, like I think uh, Drake London, just, he's he's one of those guys who really really knows how to like create space in tight quarters, and I think it, he could actually translate those skills to the NFL level. But it's why I just don't think I'm going to bet on that skill set as a rookie with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. It's hard, honestly. Like I, it's hard even to get excited to draft Kyle Pitts. I I have to say I I get the the reasoning like second year tight end and you know. It, Tight ends do make leaps from from rookie year to second year, and I, I I get all that. He is generational in every sense of the word. Again, I understand, but man, to be to be dragged down by this offense is a real possibility, you know. And and uh, even even if this offense was passable, I would be super bullish on Pitts. But you know, he he couldn't survive it last year from a fantasy sta- from a fantasy standpoint. Now he had a, he had a good season. He had a spectacular rookie season for a tight end, but from a fantasy standpoint, didn't didn't happen. I don't know if it's happening this year. I, I mean, know. to survive this, he basically needs to be like Calvin Johnson yes. 2.0, yes. which is within the range of outcomes. It but it is. He basically needs to be Calvin Johnson and Marcus Mariota. By the way, I mean, kind of an interesting second chance guy, but not really with this group. Like, I just don't I see how this is good for anyone. Like, this is a really a bad like circular environment. What is bad for Kyle Pitts is bad. For Marcus Mariota, et cetera, or it's just like, why are any of these people in this situation? Yeah, and it's not, it's not good. I know Mar- Mariota has that experience in Arthur Smith's system. And he had some dog in him in Vegas too. He did. He he the the dog yelled a lot more. Put into yes, he was banging his head against other guys' helmets and really really pumped up. Uh, so <laughs> ho- hopefully hopefully that. But then again, uh, he also missed like ten weeks of the season because he ran at one time. Uh, on, on, <laughs> a really good point on, on opening nights and that was always the thing with him in tennessee was why is this guy not running just run just run yes please run it's what uh why we loved you at the former pac-12 school oregon i'm just assuming they're in a different conference since this podcast started yes i think, um, I think they Denny, Denny wouldn't know what i'm talking about no um, i do they they, they all the, every college team is now in the big 10 right yeah yeah it's it's, it's interesting there you go but Denny said we weren't we're not gonna talk much more about the Falcons, but someone like no one knows what to make of this yeah. offseason is Cordero Patterson. Cause like everyone in the Falcons organization, kind of including CPAT, is like, yeah, I don't know if I should run so much again in 2022. <laughs> um, but you've come across some interesting 
Cordero Patterson facts while you've been researching an article I hear. I did. Look, I, I'm, I'm, you know, looking into uh, running backs who have uh, succeeded um, in both yards per route run and targets per route run on small sample sizes, just to, just to get an idea, get a feel for who might excel in that role if they land it this year. Anyway, CPAT pops up everywhere. I, th- this guy was tremendously efficient as a pass catcher, not only out of the Atlanta backfield, but also when he had chances out of the New England backfield. Not so much with the Bears, but, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, as one does. I mean. it, it, yeah, that maybe goes without saying. But he's at the he's at the top, no matter how I slice and dice the uh, parameters for what I'm looking for, he just, he pops. Like, he's, a, he's really good at both commanding targets and then doing a lot with those targets... So yes, he probably won't get, you know, between the, the the tackles carries this season so much. And that's that's a great thing. I, I think that's good. But if they're re, if they're using him, if they use him out of the backfield as a pass catcher, we should not dismiss and I'm talking to myself right now. I should not <laughs> I should not dismiss him because he's re, he's a, he's excellent in that role. Yeah, and like as we just highlighted, it's not like the target competition has really increased. And is yeah, so the kind of hinting or maybe giving him fewer carries maybe he could just become a, a pass catcher extraordinaire out of the backfield, yeah. which would seem to be the most sensible way to use him, really. I mean, he's a total mismatch. He is, in theory, a receiver. Um, yeah, maybe we'll hear about this. You guys see this? Uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, Cordell Patterson. Yeah, I can't Yeah, I can't do it with the guests on the show. No, uh, no. God. Can't have a writer from the, the, the athletics owned by the New York Times. Now I can't just be going into a Jay Leno impression. No, I, I, uh, I would have, I would have fleed an embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> fled, fled, fled. You know, what's funny too, is that, uh, at one point John Hendricks said segue, which is the pronoun- proper way to pronounce that word. And super, which I knew super embarrassingly a few weeks ago in the pod, I said, Sieg, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I hadn't said it out bell. loud in a while. And I just said, Sieg, that rings a bell. And I remember being like, Hmm. someone tweeted at me after the podcast Um, that 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 word doesn't strike me as one i recognize no no it's how you say it it's how they say it in france yeah i had written it so many times without i had i'd gone several years without saying it and i just said sieg yeah someone tweeted at me hey you know that that's the problem with reading i have to say (laughs) it's true no the problem with reading is you come across a lot of words and that you know the meaning of them and you don't have to stumble across. You don't even have to look them up. You just know, but you don't know how to say them because no. it's in your head. So when it comes time to display your knowledge, you can't because you don't know how to say it. So you say Sieg. I know it seriously happens more than I would like to admit. And it happens to player names too. Or like oh, you yeah. read someone's name for like two years and like, how do you say Tom Brady? I mean, Brady. Um, oh no. Listen, uh, Chris Olave. I was deathly afraid to say his name. <laughs> For, for like three months this off season because I, first of all, I heard it pronounced two or three different ways. And so like, and, and, and I, you know, reading about him obsessively, I'm thinking, well, well I have no, no clue how to say this guy's name. Oh, uh, Olav, you know, Ole. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, Oh, I'm out of jokes. Yeah. And another thing we didn't do with the beats. We didn't like riff 
for five minutes off the top. So now we're just riffing now, and I guess we should probably just end the show. We got we got in our, our riffing time, and I'm happy about that. I was going to ask about Zero RB and the Falcons' backfield. We've already talked about that a bunch. Let's just not talk about that anymore. You know, I'm fine with that. Tyler Algier, Damian Williams. Is it a classic take whoever's cheaper, right? Maybe. No, I think it's just, I think it's just Algier. I really I don't I don't get the thing where people are like, oh, Mike Davis burned me last year, so I'm not taking another Falcons. Right. You took Mike Davis in the fourth and you got duped by the worst running back selection in the history of fantasy football. Don't make it. Don't don't continue to be mad. I won't tell the newspaper you're mad, but go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead and draft Tyler Algier. It's not it it won't hurt you. Yeah. So uh, I was going to say which division we're previewing next week. I, I don't remember. Uh, it's, it's one of them. Yeah, it's one of the teams uh, we're previewing next week. We'll be it's, back on Monday with another divisional preview episode. I don't know if it'll be with Denny or Patrick Crane. Uh, we'll figure that. Whoever on their best behavior this week. Okay. Um, it's going to be. That was a great show. Thank you so much to Greg Amon from the Athletic, Darren Gant from Panthers.com, and John Hendricks from the Saints News Network at Sports Illustrated. Really great information from all three. Hopefully we said one or two useful things about the Falcons. Thank you so much for joining us today, Denny. And we'll be back uh, later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.